This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. Before we get to the show today, I want to remind you that my next novel, In the Blood, is coming out May 17th. That is a change from May 31st. So coming in early, coming in hot, May 17th, hardcover audio ebook available for pre-order now. My guest today, Jordan Davis. He's a singer, songwriter out of Nashville. Awesome guy. We had a great conversation. Uh, Buy Dirt is an incredible single, awesome album. You should 100% check that out. Uh, Buy Dirt is a song that has heart uh, and you'll stop what you're doing. It's an emotional listen. And I talked to him about that on this podcast as well. Something I didn't ask him about, which I will ask him about the next time we link up is about some of his influences uh, in, in music. And what most people don't know is that before each part of the terminal list, I had a Johnny Cash uh, stanza from The Man Comes Around. And, uh, but because I didn't have any books out yet, uh, apparently you just can't throw other people's uh, stanzas into a, into a novel. So uh, what's in here is something that Johnny Cash used from somebody in the 1800s. So there wasn't any uh, issue with using it again um, because the author is unknown and it's from the 1800s. And it says, there's a man going round taken names. So uh, although Johnny Cash didn't make it into the different parts of the novel, uh, as it is in my original rough draft, uh, right here, there's a man going around taking names. So next time I talk to Jordan Davis, I'm going to talk to him about uh, Johnny Cash and some of his other musical influences. And I'm sure we'll talk again or get a field uh, together at some point soon. So now, without further ado, Jordan Davis. There's so much I want to talk to you about because you're uh, not your first, I think you had a single in, in 2017, but your album came out in 2018, the same month as my first book came out. So we were on this kind of like same creative track, which was really, really cool. But yeah. uh, are, you, are you in Nashville right now or where are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually at the house in Nashville and we're gearing up to, uh, so we're, I'm actually in my kitchen uh, yes. because we're, we're moving. Uh, we just closed on a house yesterday. So the house is kind of a wreck, but. And we're getting prepared to uh, take off for Vegas this weekend. That's right. That's right. So is it Monday, the uh, American Country Music Awards? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, awards are Monday night. Nice, nice. Yeah, but congratulations. You, I mean, you've been on this crazy track. It's awesome. I love all your stuff. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, Buy Dirt is the one like everybody knows and is talking about and everything. Um, but uh, that the, uh, the I Still Smoked one, man, oh, I love that song. God. Dude, thank you, man. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a uh, you know, that, that's actually one of my favorite songs to play live uh, right. and i know it didn't get the the radio play but every night we go into that man they it's uh you can tell that's one that's that's reacted with a lot of people uh you know for me that was you know i used to smoke cigarettes man and now every time it's i think about that as like a, an old old part of me and uh and, and i it's, it's been really cool to see it connect with a lot of people yeah, a lot of those. I mean, it's so important, I think, for people to take a breath and listen to music. Now there's so many distractions, kind of like very similar in publishing. And I want to ask you about that, that as well, some of these similarities. But there's so many other distractions. And now there's, you know, there's podcasts to listen to. Of course, there's I've been 24-hour news for a while. But there's just a Twitter and it's, everybody's getting all these inputs from all these different directions that it, it, it's so important to take a breath and to sit back and just listen to an awesome song. And, okay. uh, and you've created some amazing songs that are emotional, 
too. Like, like I still smoked and buy dirt. Like those are emotional to listen to. Every, every now and again, there's, there's a song comes along, you know, maybe about one or two a year that like yeah. get you, you know, they get you right here and they have that heart. Um, and, uh, and those, those definitely, uh, are for me. And I know a lot of other people uh, as well. I mean, I think that's the, you know, and you know, just as well, like, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna write something, uh, authenticity is the, is the first thing that people can pick up on. Uh, you know, like for you, if you're gonna write a book about Navy SEALs, it's, it's gonna need to come from a Navy SEAL. And <laughs> so like, you know, it's right on things in my past, uh, right on things that are passionate to me, uh, that, that are honest. And, and I feel like that that's kind of what connects with the listener and what kind of draws people in. Uh, and man, when you can, when you can do that, uh, like we did, you know, on by dirt, uh, you know, it's just like a wildfire, man. I think people are hungry for it. So it's, um, it's, it's been really cool to see that one take off the way it has. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause in the past, let's say like, let's say 50 years ago, um, people had to be authentic almost, it seems like. And then there's this period, let's say of 30 years where people could fake it and you had managers and your, uh, all these things going on. Um, but now people expect this engagement and, uh, you're, you're so connected to an audience, whether you're an author, or, uh, you know, you're a songwriter or whatever it might be, but people, ex they can tell that authenticity right yeah. now. You can't, you can't really fake it anymore. Maybe for a little bit, but people will be able to tell and they really appreciate that honesty and authenticity. So, um, you, you can't, I don't think you can escape it anymore. Maybe like, you know, in the eighties and nineties, you could have, could have escaped maybe the early two thousands a little bit, but you know, you, you have to be you today. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of, that's the blessing and the curse of social yeah. media, in my opinion, exactly. like, uh, you know, you can either yeah like, and, and, and it took me a little while to catch on to, you know, early on, it was like, it was something that I never really did. Um, you know, I never, I was late to Facebook. I was late to Instagram. You know, I feel like I got a Twitter when I signed a record deal. It's like, you know, I, I just never really got in it, but now it's, it's your biggest billboard for your art. Uh, it's the biggest glimpse into the person you are. Uh, and when we kind of started approaching it like that and it became so much easier. Uh, so, yeah, but, but I do like to say, man, it's, it's the blessing and the curse of it. Yep. And it, because it's so personal, when someone says something, uh, on, on social channels, so you pour yourself into a song and someone says something, I pour myself into these, you know, these books, it's so connected to my past, uh, and, and to who I am. Then when someone says something, it really hurts. <laughs> a lot more. Uh, and they have that access where they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had that, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even, uh, that, that I, access. I try to stay away from it. I try yeah. to, like, <laughs> I, I don't want to like totally shut it out because like, you know, you want to, you want feedback, you want critiques. Um, you obviously want to see if it's connecting, but mm -hmm. I think, and you, you may be the same way. You just go to your people. Like I have my people where I'm like, I trust them. Uh, I want their input. You know, if it's somebody that was going to hate whatever I put out, whether it's great or not, like I try to keep those at arm's length, but uh, you know, I just, I, I try to keep that, you know, my wife, my managers, my close friends, where I'm like, Hey, I'm going to play you a couple songs and I need you to be brutally honest with me. Uh, that's where I, that's where I try to, that's where I get my critiques from. 
Yeah. So yeah, for me, like I, I use social media to say thank you to people because I'm so appreciative that people took a risk on me as a new author and then told a friend. And so, but in doing that, I see the other ones too, even though I try to shut them out, you know, and I don't respond to negative things and I don't like go down rabbit holes, but, but I still see them and it still takes up a little bandwidth. So, uh, this is my year to kind of figure out a better, better balance with that sort of thing. And I certainly don't change what I do because of a, a negative, uh, you know, Amazon review or something like that. And where I can tell that hey, the person didn't even read the book. They just, you know, don't like kind of what I stand for based off a couple of pictures they saw or maybe a show that I was on or whatever else. Um, right. So it's, uh, yeah, so, but it still gets to, you know, for me, it's still, it's still, it's still in there. So, uh, no, I'm uh, getting it too, man. It, it's, it's, if you see it, it's like, it's like, you see, it's a negative one. It's like, I don't need to read that, but you just read it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but. Yeah, yeah, I try to turn some of that into a positive by reading the negative reviews every now and again on uh, on this on on uh, the social channels. I'll read them and then have a little funny response or whatever, just to kind of turn it into a into a positive. But for you, the the response has got to be like ninety nine percent overwhelmingly positive because everything is so good. And you didn't just jump into this. You didn't wake up one morning and just decide, hey, I'm going to be a, a songwriter one day. I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to do this. Like you grew up in the in the family of songwriters. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So my dad. You know, he always kind of just played, you know, around the house, like learned Johnny Cash songs and played old Chris Christopherson songs and Jim Croce songs. Nice. But my uncle was, uh, he was a songwriter. He moved to Nashville around when I was, you know, late 80s um, and had some success. So, you know, he had two number one songs with Tracy Lawrence. Uh, but, I, you know, I obviously remember those. So I remember driving around listening to the radio and hearing Tracy Lawrence sing my uncle's songs. But uh, I also remember him playing demos and playing old songs, like songs that nobody's ever heard, you know, at Christmas and Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, it was early on where I, I felt like I had access to a, a, a great songwriter, a Nashville songwriter that was crafting songs with the best of them. Um, and, I, you know, and, and I, I have to attribute the songwriter I am now to that, you know, just being at that early of an age to where every song I wrote past that, you know, I went back and I was like, would that stand up to what uncle Stan played at Christmas two years ago? Nice. Um, so that, that was a, that was a huge benefit for myself and my brother when it, when it came into getting into songwriting. Yeah. Cause you guys are both uh, musicians, right? And, and, uh, and so you had this foundation from when did you, when's your first memory of like, Hey, I'm, I'm, was it just a natural thing or was it like, was there a time when you're like at five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, whatever it was, where you're like, I know my path in life. I know what I'm going to do. You know, dude, I seriously, I'd always loved to play and sing, but I never thought of it like, all right, I'm going to pay the bills by playing and singing. Mm. Uh, you know, I got caught up in the, the go to, go to college, get a degree, get a job, get a steady career you know, find a wife, have kids. And like, that was it. Like it was, you know, I thought that was what I needed to do. Um, you know, and it wasn't until I got to college and did that, you know, I never put the guitar down. Um, you know, I, I continued to kind of pick around and write songs, but, um, my brother was the first one to move to Nashville when he had, he had started playing some like open mic nights around Baton Rouge and kind of got a little following um, he moved to Nashville to, to write songs and try to sign a record deal. 
And I was like, well, you know, that's cool. Let me know how that goes. And uh, I'm going to keep on this path that everybody's told me I'm supposed to be on. And, uh, and it ate me up about two years into it where I was like, this is, this isn't it. Um, you know, and I was single and I was like, man, I can, you know, if I can be single and work in Baton Rouge, I can be single and work in Nashville and try to write songs on the side. So, uh, I moved in 2012, a couple of years after I graduated, um, and started the Nashville route. Uh, but yeah, Jacob definitely kicked that off moving first a couple of years before I did. Nice. So he, he blazed the trail. What, what were you doing for those uh, couple of years? Well, at least you didn't spend 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years, uh, doing something that you didn't, uh, yeah. weren't passionate about. What, what, what uh, were you doing? Man, I was, so I was bartending at night and I was working for an environmental consulting company, uh, mm-hmm. And I'd started working there. I was probably there for three months uh, working on like, you know, residential builds. And we were kind of helping with like erosion problems. Uh, and I showed up late one day and I got fired from that squad. And my, my I'll never forget my boss at the time told me, uh, he was like, hey, man, what do you what do you want to do? And I was like, well, man, I, and I told him what I told you. I was like, I just want to get a job and, you know, that pays the best. And, you know, and he's like, but what, what do you want to do? Like, what would you, what's your passion? I was like, man, I love writing songs. He goes, and you need to go write songs. And that was really the first domino that fell. Um, and, and it's crazy. You know, me, I woke up late that day. I had 15 missed calls from him. I was supposed to be working at 5 a.m. I woke up at like 7. <laughs> and I come into his office. I had that conversation with him. And not only does he not fire me, he moves me to the landscaping side and let me go swing a weed eater uh, to keep saving some money up to move to Nashville. So uh, all in all, it was a great, it was one of, one of the best, you know, firings, half firings. <laughs> that I've ever so uh, that was the, that was the first domino that led me, led me to Nashville. I wonder if my daughter listens to this, I'll be like, all right. Uh, it doesn't mean that you should show up a couple hours late sleeping, no, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it works out, you know, Hey, it you works know, out. it's Very a, uh, it's a sign that you're on, you're not on the path, not on your true path. You're not following yeah. your, your calling. Uh, and I think a lot of people are just, you know, they don't listen to that. Uh, you know, there's a calling, I think probably, probably for everyone. And for me, it was very clear military and writing, but, uh, but I think a lot, most people have that calling, but they, they either don't listen or they don't just acknowledge it or they think it's not possible or for whatever reason, but listening to that, that calling and then, uh, then taking those steps like you did, uh, to go follow that passion. And then, you know, you get to share this gift with the world and it's, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. But, uh, so what is it like to move to Nashville? And so, you know, your brother there, do you have a couple other family members still that had people that, uh, they, that you had some introductions to or anything, or did you just go there and find an apartment and start tending bar again? Or what, like, what did you do? Yeah, I, uh, so I did, I was fortunate that, you know, I, I had my brother here through coming up and visiting with him. Like I'd met some other people in town, some people in the industry. So I moved to town on a Sunday, June 2nd, uh, Sunday, 2012. And I had to write my first Nashville co-write the next day. Uh, so, and that was all off of the people that I had met, you know, prior to moving. What is a co-write? Uh, what, is it, what does that mean? Like, how, what do you, so like, they're like, hey, come in and help us work on this. Or? Yeah. So like, you'll set it, we'll set a time in town, uh, you know, 10 a.m. 
you know, meet, meet over at the studio and it'll be usually three people and we'll sit down start drinking coffee and talking about, you know, if anybody's got an idea for a song uh, and that's, and then you kick it off from there. So it's like, and it's, there's songwriters in Nashville that do that every day, you know, Monday to Friday at 10 AM, 9 AM, they're meeting somewhere with two other writers and they're trying to write a song uh, sometimes two times a day. But um, so that's, you know, like, and it takes a while to kind of get that roster of writers that you work with kind of built up. And I was so fortunate to meet so many people that they were kind of able to kind of kick me down that path a little quicker than if I were to just move to town and kind of had to do it mm-hmm. you know, by myself. Um, but yeah, I had, I, I did that for two months before all the money I had saved up to move ran out and, uh, and yeah, I got a job bartending and I was, I bartended, um, uh, up until I up until I signed my record deal in 2015. Okay, so you're doing a few years of, of bartending, uh, different <laughs> bars. I've only been I've been in Nashville a couple times, um, but it's been a while. Um, it, was it a, a specific bar? Or did you? Where did I go? Dude. The spot. It was called the spot up yeah, there. The spot. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That place is great. That wasn't too far from where I lived. Okay. Like, I, uh, no, I did. Uh, I did. This, it was the least coolest bartending job I've ever, like, I, it was at a wine bar in Donaldson, Tennessee. So it was like mm. 20 minutes outside of town. Okay. But, uh, but the reason why I took it was I was able to make my own schedule. So like that way I could write, you know, mm. and back then I was starting writing at 9am because I was like, Hey guys, they usually start at 11. I was like, Hey guys, let's start earlier. Cause I got to be working for. So wow. I was able to, you know, make my own bartending schedule that wouldn't interfere with my writing. Uh, and man, I did that for three years. Um, right up until I was about to break doing it, you know, cause I'd start writing at nine, go till three 30 bartend till one, one 30, and then get up the next morning and go do it all again. I'm saying this to you. Like it, it's like, it's hard. Like, <laughs> like, but like well, that's a grind, man. I mean, but yeah, like, you know, I think just more mentally than like, Mm -hmm. uh, physically, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I learned a lot and, uh, you know, definitely made me grateful for that, that first paycheck from music. I can tell you that for sure. So as a co-writer, when you're doing that sort of thing, are you, uh, you, do you get residuals or do you just get a little bit of like, if something hits or are you paid by the the hour by somebody who's like more established or what what is that about? So like, uh. So I signed a publishing deal um, and that basically is you sign, you know, similar to being an author, you know, you go and write, uh, they own all your publishing um, or, you know, majority of it. And then they'll just give you a draw. Uh, So that is basically, you know, the check that comes in that you got to pay back if you have a song that begins to make money. But at the end of your contract, if you don't and they decide to let you go, you don't have to pay it back. So it's kind of like a- Got it. Very similar to publishing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And so uh, I signed my- Dude, Jack, this is crazy. Like, don't think about it now. My first publishing deal I signed, it was a three-year publishing deal. I want to say they took like 80% of my publishing and they gave me a draw of $21,000 a year. Okay. <laughs> was, so you got dude, a bartend. I was like- <laughs> Uh, that doesn't help much. I remember whenever I, I was like, Oh dude, I can finally quit my bartending job and just focus on songwriting. 
And then they sent over my draw and I was like, mm. oh, I guess I can just bartend on the weekends. Now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. You're moving, moving up. Yep. Started moving the right direction. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't a lot of money. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Publishing is similar in that um, you don't make any royalties until you pay back that initial investment. So, um, you know, so for them, it's a, you know, hedge on the bet, I guess. And most authors don't make that back. It's like, uh, kind of like movie industry where the Avengers makes the money for all the movies that win Academy Awards, but no one ever sees, uh, kind of yeah. like that, like, you know, Stephen King and John Grisham and those guys are up here, or James Patterson, they're, t- they're making all the money for all the authors that don't make back that, uh, investment. Um, right. but, uh, mine did, you know, luckily, which is really, really cool, but it's, uh, it's not usual, especially out of the, out of the gate. So it sounds very similar to kind of what they, what they do in the, in the music industry. Oh man. It's a, uh, it's yeah, very similar because there are a lot of writers that, uh, you know, they, and you know, it's just part like yeah. publishing companies know that going into it. They're like, you know what, we're going to, we're, we're going to invest in this kid and hope that it works out. Um, and, but yeah, there's a lot of writers in town that don't, don't recoup. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and did you work with, um, during those, those years, those four years or however long exactly that was before your first single came out, what, um, did you work with songwriters who, uh, who had like, bigger hits, uh, and then you're learning and that or is it just like a, a grind uh, where you're just working on things and they're they're not hitting and yeah you're kind of working with you know new artists they kind of work in that pool of of a lot of newly signed artists so mm-hmm. it's like or or newly signed songwriters so when you look down and see you kind of have to work to that level to where like hey like i could go in and say you know a couple of my favorite songwriters uh guy named Tom Douglas who wrote the house that built me, uh, Casey Bethard who wrote boys of fall and all these amazing songs. It's like, if I were to come into my publisher the day after they signed me and say like, Hey, I want to write with Tom Douglas on Monday and Casey on Tuesday, I would literally be laughed out of the building. Uh It would be like, Hey dude, (laughs) we need to have uh, you know, we need to hear some songs that are worthy of you walking in a room with Tom Douglas or Casey Bethard. Got it. And, uh, and when I first signed, I was green, man. I didn't have those. So it's like when those bigger writers, you start seeing them on your calendar, kind of be peppered in, you know, A, it makes you nervous like no other, but at least tells you like, well, hey, at least I'm doing something that's getting me in that room. Yeah. Like something positive, you know, something that my publisher thinks I'm doing that's worthy of that. So, yeah, oh, man. yeah it's just that, that slow build into to getting with the guys that, that are, you know, have, have those hits under the belt. Uh, and they're just great songwriters. Yeah. Well, how does your first single, how do you move from that into your first single where you're writing your own song or you have those co-writers helping you? How does that, how does that transition work from just helping other people to now you're the one that's maybe getting helped or you're the one that's, uh, that's in, in the front and it's your song. How does that, how does yeah. that work? Man, I, so I, I moved only to, only to write songs. I wanted to write songs for other people. So I wanted to go into a write and be like, you know what? I got this idea and I think it would go great for Tim McGraw. Mm-hmm. And I would write with Tim McGraw in mind, or I would write with Kenny Chesney in mind. Um, and then through those songs, uh, a, a record label in town heard, heard some of my demos. And uh, that's how I ended up, you know, I, I didn't get any songs cut by other artists, but somebody at that label called me and were like, hey, we're not interested in these songs for any of our artists, but we're interested in you as an artist and we want to sign you to a record deal. Whoa. And it was something that I had never thought of. And um, 
I actually didn't even know how the process of getting a work record deal worked. Yeah. So I was kind of like, Oh, well, I guess I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go in and take a meeting, you know, when, uh, <laughs> probably a good decision. <laughs> yeah. And it turned into that. Uh, and, and, and then after that, after, you know, signing that, I, uh, I was able to, uh, to kind of, to kind of start writing more with what I would sing in mind. Okay. So, uh, that's how my first single singles you up came out. And, uh, and it's, uh, and that was what, that was what kind of kicked it off. No way. So, um, so do they tell you, Hey, uh, Hey kid, you need an agent to do this. Or are you walking in there like, Hey, uh, let's, let's do this thing. Let's shake hands. And where do I sign? Yeah. My publisher kind of helped me through that. Okay. You know, he, he, he came with me to all my meetings and, and was kind of able to walk through all the, all the stuff that I didn't understand. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of, a lot of people in my corner to kind of help me through those. No kidding. And so like back in the day, you know, when you're talking about a demo tape, it would have been an actual tape. Uh, and then maybe, maybe it turns into a CD or something. Is it all go now electronic? Is, is that how it goes? It goes to somebody's email yeah. or it goes to a cloud or something like that. Yep. Shoot it over an email. So like anytime, uh, you know, I, a buddy of mine is like, Hey man, I got a song that I want you to hear. You know, I'm like, dude, send it, send it, send it to me an email. And, uh, I mean, my email is just filled with demos of <laughs> all these songs that are great. And, uh, it's, 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 it's great. It's awesome to have them there in one spot, you know? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Probably an email just for, for those sorts of things. Uh, so when you got your single, like, did you, what, did you hear it on the radio for the first time or do you hear it on like a XM satellite radio? Like how do you hear it for the first time, uh, in the wild? Like if I walk through the airport and I see it somewhere, I go into a, you know, a bookstore and I see it or a library. Um, yeah. what's, what, what, how do you see or hear your song in the wild for the first time? I was in Houston, Texas. Uh, I was in a, a Sprouts parking lot and my, the person from my record label knew that it was about to come on. And so I had no clue. I'm sitting in the drive. I'm sitting in the passenger seat and uh, I'm wondering why we're sitting in this parking lot for so long. I'm like, Hey, what are we doing here? And she's like, Oh, well I'm waiting on a message to see if we need to go pick something small up. <laughs> and then we're going to head over to this, uh, to this dinner. And I was like, uh, okay. And I just kind of sat there and waited out. And I was about to say like, Hey, why don't I just go in and pick this up? And if we need it, big deal. If not, you know, well, it's, it's all good. She's like, no, 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 no. Don't go in, don't go anywhere. And I was like, all right, I don't know what's going on. And then right as, right as she tells me not to go anywhere, I hear singles you up for the first time coming through the radio. And I'm just like, I know that song. Wait, <laughs> that's me. Oh, that's my song. So I was, I, it's very, you know, that one's, uh, that one stands out, you know, it's just, cause that was like the culmination of a dream of hearing a song that you wrote on the radio, um, and being surprised by, it. you know, yeah. I, I didn't know what was happening. So, uh, that was pretty wild, but That's still awesome. every time I hear it, every time I hear any of my songs on the radio, it's still kind of like, it's still, it's still a pretty cool feeling. Oh yeah. Now every time I see one in the, in the airport as I'm walking through or in a bookstore, I, now he's going, I have a pen, you know, I used to carry guns and knives everywhere. Well, I still do, but now I carry a Sharpie also. <laughs> so I go in and I, I try to sign them all and, and, uh, Dude, someone, really? yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so someone gets a surprise when they open it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool to see those things in the wild. It must be similar yeah, to awesome. hearing it on the radio, you know, um, yeah. man, that is so wild. So then, so this, this single hits, 
And then like, are your, your agents and, and publisher, are they, are they kind of waiting to see how this thing does? Like, okay, now it's, it's on the radio. Oh, wow. This is, this is picking up some traction here. And then do they start thinking, uh, okay, let's, th there's something special about this guy. Um, the song is resonating. Um, he's got that thing. He's got that, whatever that thing is, he's got it. Um, what's the next step? Like, how do you go from that to, to then an album? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was definitely, you know, they, I don't think they ever tell you that it's like a, that first single is like a trial run, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, yeah. like, it, and you want to perform and you want, you know, even, you know, for myself and my co-writers, that song, like I wanted that to be, you know, I wanted that song to, to have success. It ended up being a number one song, one of the most played song of the year. And in my mind, I remember thinking like, dude, if I could just get this into the top 20 at country radio, that would be like a win, you know? And, uh, and I, I just remember that song just taking off, you know, you know, it's, and it's so crazy. Cause when I released it, I, I thought that first single was a good song, but I didn't see it doing what it ended up doing, um, which is the beauty of music. But, uh, but yeah, after that, then they come back and like, well, hey, that first one worked. So what do you have now? And I actually was fortunate to have a couple other songs that they were big fans of as well. So we were able to just roll out those first three singles uh, and have all three of them go number one at radio. Uh, and then after that, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, released the full record and, and, and that's how, you know, some of those other songs off that home state album got out, um, you know, we're basically the success of those three songs. So it's a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy business, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's wild. So well, it's, it's so interesting how similar it is to, to New York publishing. You know, you think Nashville, obviously you think country music, and then obviously you think New York publishing for, uh, for, for the literary publishing world. Uh, but there's so many parallels. And the more I hear you talk about it, the more uh, I think about, like you just said about making, making the charts and making number one, well, New York times list, you know, you want to make that list and it opens you up to a whole new audience. Uh, and then once you make it, you want to make number one. Uh, so it's, uh, there, there's so many similarities there between, uh, between the two, two professions and they're both creative endeavors. Um, and, uh, and then now, now it seems like there are more responsibilities on the artist, um, to, to grow the listenership, to grow the, the fan base, to grow the readership in, in my case that, you know, if you were doing this in 1975 or 1985, it wasn't possible because we couldn't be doing yeah. this right now. We couldn't, uh, you know, we couldn't, uh, you could, we didn't have to look at your Instagram or your Twitter or your Facebook or think about a website or think about a download or think about a single versus an album and how people are buying it and how people are playing it and how they're listening. And then all the other distractions, it just seems like there's more to yeah. think about today. Um, and I wanted to ask you about that because you, so you grew up in a family of songwriters, so you, you're aware of the music industry. Um, and I was, I grew up, my mom's a librarian, so I grew up with this love of reading and books. And so I was surrounded by books. I'm aware of publishing. I'm aware of the New York Times list. I'm reading David Morrell and, and AJ Quinnell and JC Pollock and Mark Olden and Tom Clancy and Louis L'Amour. And so I'm reading all these, all these guys and I'm aware of where they are and the, the lists and, and all that, that sort of a thing. Um, but, uh, it, it, so I'm aware of all that, but then I see things start to change and I start hearing things about, okay, eBooks. All right. 
audiobooks and the first are coming on tapes and then there's CDs and then you know now Audible and Amazon and you know you're hearing all these things just kind of not like I'm studying it specifically for my future profession but I'm aware right. of these changes that are occurring um, so were you aware of those of those changes in in music when you you, know, you don't have to buy a tape, a record, a CD with all the songs on it. People can just download from iTunes a single song that they've heard about. Like, how has that changed the the industry? And your 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 uh, uh, 2018 is your first out. Al- your album comes out. Um, that my book comes out in March. So we have both have the same the same yeah. month of 2018. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> these things come out. Um, so we're already a lot of these changes have already, of course, occurred. But uh, were you aware of that as you were growing up, or as you stepped got got to Nashville? Are you aware of people talking about changes in the industry, or what? Uh, what's what was that like? What's What's crazy is like you know we were able to see that whole. I still remember going and buying the Smashing Pumpkins, the first CD I ever bought. Nice, like you know, like. Um, driving my Dino GT bike up there to buy it, nice. you know. And I remember Bear Share and Napster coming through, and the downloading, and then mm-hmm. streaming. When I moved to town, streaming was kind of it was it was hitting stride, you know. Uh, so everybody was aware of it. Uh, I remember thinking, like, dude, this is gonna this is gonna change the game. Like, this mm-hmm. is going to make releasing music. Uh, easier. Uh, it's gonna obviously make listening to music easier. Uh, it's gonna, you know, for smaller artists or, or artists trying to break, it's gonna give them a platform to to be heard more. And I think we've seen that a lot. You know, I mean, golly, even TikTok. You know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. artists now that uh, are signing record deals that were found on TikTok. Wow. And uh, so yeah, like, you know. I was aware of it. I, I tried to, you know, it didn't change any, any goal yeah. that I had because, you know, my uncle wrote songs and, and had number one songs at country radio. And I moved to town uh, because I fell in love with country music from listening to country radio. So still to this day, like, you know, does it, 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 it still feels special to me to hear, to be listening to a radio station and hear one of my songs come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that hasn't changed, but I, I've definitely been more aware of. I think what has changed is, is the amount of music that artists are, are able to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, 15 years ago, um, you release an album, you know, it might last for, you know, you release an album every year to where now with streaming, it's so accessible. Um, you know, you release six songs in three months, your fan base is kind of like, Hey, when are you releasing six more? Yeah. You know, it's just so much faster. Uh, which, you know, is, I don't want to say it's pressure, but like, you know, you always want to be on top of, of, of writing. And, and, and sometimes it takes a little longer to write songs than others. So, yeah. uh, you gotta kind of stay sharp. <laughs> yeah. And does, does a song, um, I guess I've never, never thought about it, until just now, but do you release one, a song from an album like as a teaser, and then hey, the other the album's coming, and do you release like the one that you think is going to be the uh, the biggest hit from that album, or you do like one that you think is going to be really good, but not the main one that uh, that you think yeah. like this one's going to crush? Like, how do you how do you strategize about all that, or, or do you even? I mean, I, I one of those things I go back to my team on. You know, I trust I trust my the people at my label that help me with these records. Uh, my management team that, you know, we kind of all get around and try to plan, uh, 
uh, you know, if, if we are going to go multiple singles off of a record, like what's well, the best way to roll those out. Mm. But when it comes to, you know, like by dirt, you know, when, when I finished that EP and I knew we were going to pull a single off of it, uh, it's like, Hey, what's the best song? Like what? And that was hands, everybody's boat. Like, well, mm. by dirt. And, um, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't really care what anybody else's boat on that. That was, that was going to be my single. <laughs> well, well, obviously that was the right move. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it, uh, it absolutely crushes and it's, it's like, like we talked about earlier, it has that heart to it. And I love, it seems like a lot of the songs that I really like, they have like an older person passing on wisdom. Um, for whatever, for whatever reason, I, you know, I, I'm just drawn to that. Um, and, and in this song in particular, you have an, an old man who's either he's 80 or is just about to turn 80 and, uh, yep. passing on this wisdom to, is it his grandson or, uh, on the porch, he's drinking coffee on the porch and you can just picture this. And then you can picture like the important, like you stop what you're doing and you don't just listen to the song. You listen to those words and those wisdom that's getting imparted through the song. So it makes yep. it so special. How did you come up with, with all of that? Dude, Jack, that was my grandfather. That was my grandfather in Stonewall, Louisiana. Mm. Uh, he he would sit on his back porch and drink coffee and watch. He had a big Martin birdhouse back there, and uh, he would watch these Martins just come pile into this house, and he would try to act like he knew which ones, you know, like he could tell them apart. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'd sit out there, and and he would he would be like, oh, you know, at about ten thirty. This one's going to come in and he's going to try to bully. And I'll just be like, Peppa, there ain't no way that you know what these birds look like. They all look exactly the same. Uh, but me and my brother started talking about that story and started talking about the conversations we had with Peppa out there. Uh, you know, a guy that started his own business when he was started upholstery and furniture when he was 14. Wow. Uh, and him and my dad started the business. And that's how, that's what my dad did when me and Jake were growing up. Uh, you know, kind of like what we said, man, just the honesty of it. And, and I know I'm not the only, only person that got wisdom from, from their grandfathers, you know, but, uh, it just, it was so real. And, and, and when we were writing it, it just, it just came out, you know, it just came out like that. Uh, and, but yeah, that's, that's exactly how that, that first verse, that's where it came from. It's incredible. The whole album is incredible. So anybody who hasn't listened to it should definitely go buy that right now. Listen to it. Take a breath. You won't be able to do something else while you're listening to that song. Like that's <laughs> that's like the mark of such a powerful song. Is like if you're doing something else. You're a parent. You're doing the dishes or you're doing whatever, and that song comes on. Like you're gonna stop what you're doing and just just listen to it. Uh, I love trying on there. What a great song that is. I still smoke. We talked about. I mean, incredible. Um, but all of them have heart, you know. And and I was gonna ask you like, how do you? Cause you have to do it live. Like I get to write, you know, these books and I get to be here by myself and typing away. And if something's emotional, there's no one else around. Like it's a, but you have to go out and then you play these songs and you perform these songs live. Um, like how do you like compartmentalize and not get emotional um, while you're playing it? It's so emotional that you like mess up or something or your voice cracks yeah. or like, how, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, it's a, uh... You know, by dirt, there's been a few nights with by dirt that, uh, you know, it just hits you like it's, uh, you know, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I try to, I try to just serve the song. I know mm -hmm. it sounds terrible, uh, you know, which basically means don't think about why you wrote it. Yeah. Don't think about who you wrote that about. Right. Uh, 
And I, I kind of, I do this weird thing where I'm like, Hey, there may be one person here that bought a ticket that did, that got a babysitter that paid for parking. that did the whole nine yards to hear that one song. And I'm like, do it the best you can. Uh, and so I, I just try to think about that while singing it. Uh, and even sometimes, man, it, it still kind of gets to me or, um, you know, I stop singing and they're singing it back and it's, it's still, it just means a lot to me. So it kind of hits me harder. Uh, but yeah, that's, it really is. You just, I try to just, just focus on serving the song and sing it to that one person that that's the only reason why they're there. Yeah. And, uh, so far it's, it's worked. So I hope it, I hope it continues to work like that. Oh man. Yeah. I've always wondered that. Cause I think it's so, if I'm, if I'm emotional listening to it and then I know a little bit about the background, like you're, you're of a personal connection to it. I'm always like, man, how are they, how are they doing that? That's professional right there. Um, that's, that's amazing. I'm not sure if I, I guess I'd have to compartmentalize and the, I guess the only thing that's even sl- close is like when, you know, when we last guys down range or whatever, and you're at a, a funeral and you're there with a family and like, you have to be strong. Um, yeah. so when you're there and you know, you're pounding the trident into the coffin, like you have to be strong for that family, even on the end. And so, so, uh, uh, but it's tough because obviously you're connected to it. That family's obviously way more connected. Um, and so you have to be strong for them. So that's what I thought about in those, in those times, you know, when your public people are looking at you, uh, and, uh, and you just have to, have to remain strong. Crazy. But, uh, is that what, do you know what you're playing, playing art? Do you are, when you're going to like when award show and all that stuff, how far in advance do you know what you're going to be playing? Like how much prep do you have? Like for Monday, do you, uh, do you, yeah. like, do you get to go in and pre- like practice at all or do a sound check at all? Or is it because there's so much going on? Are you just like, all right, we're going and doing this. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a lot like, you know, especially this weekend, uh, just, you know, being nominated, like there's a lot more, you know, a lot more interviews, a lot more stuff that goes on pre-show. But luckily, me and Luke have done it a few times. Uh, so, like, we, we at least have sang it live together, uh, I think, four times now. So, uh, but, like, we'll probably get, you know, plenty of time to kind of prep for it. Um, and I think we get a couple runs at it. So Okay. Okay. We'll, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be okay on it. I'm sure, I'm sure you will. For those listening, that's Luke Bryan. That's like me being confident, like be like, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> no, I totally, I get it. Oh man. And uh, yeah, for those listening, that's Luke Bryan that come, that came on. And that was a really cool story about how you guys, how you linked up with, uh, with him on that. Like you'd met backstage at a show years ago and then, uh, you, you run into each other on the golf course a couple of times and then you're hanging out, smoking cigars around a fire, which is, you know, that's the place to bond with people, you oh, know, to have a whiskey and a that's cigar where, and uh, that's where you get and, to know people. Man, like, where we got to talk about everything but music, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, you're able to like get a little deeper than just like, Hey man, what's your tour schedule look like? Right. You know, and congrats on that song, you know? And, uh, and, and yeah, that was really where, I mean, that's where the initial seed for this song, you know, or for us doing it together mm-hmm. started because, you know, if, if we don't have that conversation, I'm not able to really dive into who Luke is, mm-hmm. uh, what's important to him, uh, to where enough confidence in that to where it's like, yep, when we finish this song, that's exactly who this is going to. Like I'm, I'm shooting straight to Luke, and uh, and I knew that he would he would he would have a bond with that and connect with it. So yeah, yeah, man, it was it was pretty wild. 
That's so awesome. It's interesting how, like, you know, if you hadn't decided to go to that one award show or something had happened, you know, uh, personally, professionally, whatever, or you hadn't gone to the golf course, you joined, went to another one um, or something happened. Luke didn't stay afterward to smoke cigars that night because something happened. There's so many things that can, you know, it's incredible. Like with the, the show, with the Terminal List show, you'll see the first glimpse of on Monday. Um, it, my friend gave the book to Chris, uh, to Chris Pratt, and he did that because in the SEAL teams, um, he called me out of the blue, like I hadn't talked to him in five years. And, uh, before the book comes out, he calls me and he, and he says, first he asked if I remembered him. And of course I did. And then he said, do you remember what you did for me in the SEAL teams? And I could not remember. And he said, Hey, you sat me down in your office when I was, you found out I was getting out of the military. You introduced me to people in the private sector. You talked about this transition. Uh, no one else did that for me. Uh, and I always appreciated it. Always wanted to say thank you. And so, uh, I said, Hey, no problem, but how's it going? And he said, well, I heard you have a book coming out. And I said, yeah, it comes out in a few months. I can give you this galley, rough draft copy. And he said, yeah, but I'd like to give it to a friend of mine. And I said, who's that? And he said, Chris Pratt. So he gave it to Chris. Chris calls a couple weeks later and wants to uh, wants to option it. And now we have this uh, series coming out on, on Amazon on July 1st, eight-part series. Um, but if I hadn't done that, like, or if, or if, uh, yeah, just there's so many things, that, or if he decided that, or if he had forgotten about it and hadn't yeah. called, or, you know, it, it's just so, so crazy how these things just sometimes connect. But even that too, like for you, man, it's like you taking the time to sit him down, uh, you know, making that connection with him that he obviously remembered yeah. all those years later. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's like one of my favorite quotes is you got to be present to win. And, uh, you know, it's like, like that, you were present that day. You were present with him that day that five years later led to where it's at now. And uh, stories like that, man, they just, man, they uh, they fire me up. And that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was crazy how it all worked, how it came together. And then he's also acting in the show. And he's a producer yeah. in the show. And, and, and the show would be totally different without his involvement because uh, he was there all day, every day, scouting locations, working on the scripts, doing technical advising, like all these things that weren't technically his job. So it's a different show without my, my friend, Jared Shaw, without him involved each and every day. It's, yeah. it's a different show for sure. And uh, yeah, he crushed. Yeah. Dude, that's wild. Yeah, crazy. That's, so, I'm so excited, man. I'm so pumped to see. And dude, how crazy is that? We're like, you, we're getting the, the first glimpse of it. Yeah, at the AC, that's gonna be that's a uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's look it's looking it's looking really good. And I was gonna ask you about that quote: "You have to be present to win." I think it was uh, your dad passed that along to you. Uh, I yeah, think. And, dad did. Um, so I love that. I love that advice. That is really. I, I I saw that recently, and I was like, I'm gonna pass that along to my kids uh, tonight because there's so many things that make you not present. The these with yeah. the phones and all these all these distractions, and you're just you're there, but you're not there. And it's something I need to work on right. too with with family. When I think about things that I need to to work on and improve upon, because um, I'm up here, I'm writing away. And then I'm like, oh, when I walk downstairs and then dinner time, I'm still thinking like, oh, I got to solve this problem. You know, James Reese yeah. is in X, Y, or Z. He's on a mountainside. He's surrounded by these mercenaries or whatever. I'm like, how's he going to get out of this? So I'm like, I need to get better at, at, at just putting that behind me. And uh, now I'm present. So I'm aware of it at least, but I, just, I need to, I need to get better. So I think that's fantastic advice your dad passed along. I've done it with books, you know, because like for the longest time, it was like with audio books. It was like, man, I got in this, you know, thing of like, I would go work out, listen to an audiobook, or I would just be driving and listen to an audiobook. And it's crazy how much my mind slips from like you're listening, listening. Next thing you know, you're, you know, like you just said, you're working out some other thing, 
to where it's like from now I've made it a point. It's like I'm going, I'm buying the book. Nice. Like I'm to where like when I sit down, I'm I'm engaged with these words. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not allowed to think about anything else. So nice. um uh, that's like been a new thing with me, you know, like I set my reading time. I don't put it on a, on an audio book. I just, uh, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but like, it's just for me, I'm more into the book if, if I have it on paper. Yeah. So, so am I. I mean, it's uh, I think you're actively engaged because you have to be actually reading. It's not passive. So there's a difference between right. that passive and then that active engagement. So I think there's something, there's something there. And I want to be cognizant of your time. Cause I know you have a ton of things to do, especially leading up to Monday, but uh, oh, I, do, dude, I just, I can, I can sit here and hang with you all day, man. Oh Seriously, man, you're so awesome. I hope we can meet up in person <laughs> one day, maybe get a field together I, or something. Uh, that'd be super cool. And I'm going to send you the new book. When the new book comes out, I'm going to make sure that, uh, that I, I, I send one your way. It comes out in Please May, but, uh, uh, yeah, man. Uh, but I want to ask you about growing up. Did you, did you grow up hunting and fishing or did that come, come later? Yeah, man. It's from, I mean, my dad was a huge hunter. Uh, we started deer hunting with him from, I mean, I want to say like some of my first memories are at the deer camp, you know, uh, and, and which is why, you know, hunting camps are so special and something that like, I, I try to prioritize time at, uh, but yeah, man, it was, it was hunting early on. And then my grandfather's got me into fishing. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's something that's been with me from day one. Um, we never had great hunting land, so it, it, I was never, you know, the guy that could go to school and brag about shooting 12 point buck, uh, you know, we were usually shooting does and, uh, but I think it made me fall in love with the whole process of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole, you know, like I like you said, uh, you know, campfires, there's a lot of, there's a lot of life and a lot of, a lot of stuff you can learn at a, at a camp, at a, at a hunt. And, um, it's, it's, I can't wait for, I've got a little six month old son and, uh, dude, I, I, I dream about those times in the woods with him. Yeah. Uh, it's just pretty special. Yeah. I think it's even more important now because the, because of those distractions we talked about. And when you get to a hunting camp or you're in a stand or whatever it is, um, like I try to take the kids to places where there's no Wi-Fi, there's no cell service, um, where, uh, we're as off the grid, you know, as we could, as we can be, because we're, there's no, and, and it's more, it's, it's also for me. It's not just them. It's me. Uh, like I don't have the option of just checking my phone or saying, hold on, hold on one second. I just got to do this. I just got to respond to this real quick. Just hold on. Like, there's none of that because it doesn't exist. So we try to get out of hunting a couple times a year, uh, try to get on a river trip, um, down in a Canyon where there's no cell service, uh, just so we can be present together with no distractions. So we, we try to try to do that a couple times a year. Um, and then we live, we moved out a little bit outside of town here, a little more land before I came up, there's a ton of turkeys, uh, just right outside as I, as I walked up here, uh, into the studio and, uh, yeah, two moose in the backyard yesterday morning as, uh, as my daughter's driving out and, and, uh, uh, and then yeah, elk and mule deer walking by. It's still, um, I can't hunt them right here, but, uh, but it's, it's really cool to have them all around. It's just, it's really, really cool. But, uh, but getting those kids out hunting, I think there's, there's so, so important today as people get more, uh, as distant from the land and the animals that inhabit it. Um, I was just reading something the other day uh, about farming and Dwight D. Eisenhower, he had a quote and he said, uh, Farming looks mighty easy when your plow is a pencil and you're a thousand miles from the cornfield. Um, and I was like, oh, man, 
That's so true. I mean, you have all these people. And then my wife and I were talking about it last night. I said, we need more farmers in Congress. I mean, these, they're, everybody's so disconnected from the land, um, whether it's farming or hunting or no matter what it is, uh, even outsourcing defense, even calling 911. And that's, you know, there's only a very slim part of human history when we've been able to do that. But uh, yeah. getting the kids out there uh, like you're going to be able to do in a few years here, that's going to be so valuable. Yeah, dude, I can't wait, man. It's funny. My my buddy says the same thing every time we go up fishing or hunting Montana. It's like, you know, it's like nobody but people that are in these cities should tell these people how to live. And I'm like, dude, it's 100% right, man. Like that's, uh, and it goes right back to, you know, like what you said with farming, man. It's just, uh, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah. And the kids can see, they can go, Oh, okay. I see. I've been part of this process. Like we, either we went here in Utah or we went somewhere else and, um, it took four days, you know, whatever we got, we got lucky. Something walked by, we got it. You know, we, we took care of it in the field. I learned how to do that. I respect this animal and respect the time. And it wasn't just the time we went there it was the prep involved in that as, as well. And getting good on the bows, getting good on the rifles, understanding those systems, uh, getting out there, doing that, taking it to a processor, doing it ourselves. but all that work that goes in and then here we are you know, on the grill a couple nights ago and we can talk about it and my daughter can say hey when are we going again dad uh or my son yep. saying hey we're we going this we're we going this fall um and uh, so that that's that connection because if we didn't have that meat would just appear out of nowhere from right. the grocery store um and people talk about how expensive meat is at the grocery store and i'm always like man i can't believe it's so inexpensive like you know what goes into this it's incredible what yeah. it took to get this this you know ground beef right here to your grocery store like it took a lot to get that but people yeah. don't think about it They're grabbing it looking at the price tossing it in the cart whatever it is so that connection to the land with kids i think is there's there's almost nothing as important as that absolutely land land of food that's what and that's what uh that's what i'm going to push on him and and what we push on as a family is like, man, if we want to, you know, if we want to, if we want hamburgers, we, we, uh, we're not going to go to the store nice. where we need to, we need to, we need to shoot an arrow straighter. Yeah, there we go. That's it. <laughs> get it. That's it. Yeah. Right now I'm going to set up these different courses around here when the, when the, the snow melts. So we'll get out there and be able to like walk a course around here with the bows and get the 3d targets out and, and all that stuff. So that should be pretty, pretty cool. What's the, uh, what's your yeah. hat right there? Where's that from big sky? I think this is big sky anglers. Yeah. Uh, spot in West Yellowstone. Uh, they've been great to us. Every time we go up there, they always put us on some fish and, um, uh, they've got some great guides up there. Um, and just, you know, just a every one stop shop when it comes to fly, fly fishing. So, uh, just really good people. And, um, and I try to, I try to, rep them whenever nice. i get a chance nice i love it i love it no that's fantastic we're yeah. yeah we need to get back up to montana it's not too far away park city is like a really good spot yeah. in utah because you can get to so many places from here whether we're in san diego in the military and my last couple of years in we started taking some leave and and because uh, i built up so much over the years but from san diego we had to fly to salt lake we had to fly somewhere else um yeah. or take a long drive uh but here we can just get in the car and we can blast off we can hit montana we can hit idaho we can hit wyoming we have utah um so it's pretty cool pretty cool spot dude park city is one of my oh man it's gorgeous my buddy chris fisher who runs o search he lives in park city oh so. nice so we, we get over there every once in a while and and get to get to hang with him so man it's just a beautiful beautiful place over there man it's, it's awesome oh man well let me know next time you're coming through and uh we'll, I will. We'll link up I will. Be awesome. I've been over there since pre-pandemic uh i talked to him not too long ago but 
next time we're over there. Yeah, we got to get you out to a show too, man. Oh, that'd be uh, so awesome. That'd be so awesome. Anytime, anytime we're close, we'll we'll stay in contact and uh, and, and we'd love for you to catch, come catch a show. Oh, that'd be amazing. And speaking of tour dates, you're you have a lot of tour dates coming up. Like I went to that, I hit the tour on your website. There are a lot of dates there. Um, and, uh, what's that like before I, before I let you, let you go. Um, uh, what's that like to be on the road so much like that? And then seeing people from so many different States, so many different towns, so many different cities, uh, meeting so many different people in the course of this travel, you're away from your family. Um, what's that, uh, what's that like? Like you love it, but you're away from your family. And at the same time does meeting all these different people, does it give you hope? Um, cause we're dealing with a lot obviously as a country right now and to meeting all these different people from all corners of the country, does it, uh, does it give you hope for the future? It, it, it really does. It makes me wish that everybody could do it. It makes me wish that everybody could get out and visit, you know, visit Florida, visit Washington, visit Maine, talk with everybody. Like, you know, I think it's, uh, I think travel is, is key to, uh, to making this a better country. And, um, and man, yeah, you miss your family, but, uh, in all honesty, like selfishly as a writer, and, and you probably feel the same way too. The more people you meet, I mean, it just like, it, you hear stories, you hear, you know, getting down and sitting and talking with a guy that you meet in a bar that's been, you know, family's been farming corn in Iowa since early 1900s. Like I could sit there all night and talk to that guy, you know, like, or, you know, being out West and talking to, guys that are so passionate about elk hunting that like you can't get a word in, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you just sit there and listen and take in all this information. And before you know it, you're writing a song and you know, you're going back to that conversation or, uh, I think it just puts you more in tune to, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I love it. You know, the downside, like I said, is being away from the family, but, uh, Man, it, it is it is pretty special to get out and, and meet a lot of amazing people. Yeah, no, I probably I always thought of being away, you know, deployments and and training and that that sort of thing it was uh, that it made me appreciate the time with the family more so than had I not done those things. I try to put it in those uh, in those terms anyway. So it might be similar for for you on the road. Dude, absolutely. It's uh, you know, it makes those days when you're home, uh, you know, you're just more attentive to it. You know, when you know you've got three or four days or a week long stretch on the West coast. Uh, you know, you're like, Hey, uh, we're going to cook at the house tonight. We're not turning TV on. And, uh, we're just, we're just going to be around the table and, uh, you're just more, more direct with that time spent with them. Yeah. And are you writing on the road? Cause I saw those tour dates. I was like, Oh my, I'm like, scroll. I'm like, scroll. What, what, when does this thing get stop? Um, <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, congratulations. It's so cool. But, uh, are you writing on the road at the same time uh, or just writing down yeah. ideas and that sort of a thing? Yeah, Definitely a lot of ideas, yeah. but here, you know, this year now with two kiddos, uh, my time at home is definitely more, uh, you know, more for them. So uh, this year I'm going to work to get more riders out with me to where it's like, you know, show days or, you know, my work week is Thursday to, to Sunday and, uh, you know, wake up, write songs, play a show at night and do that. That way, when I get home, you know, I don't have to go into the office or go in anywhere and I can just spend time with them. Yeah. So yeah, definitely more, more road riding this year. 
Got it. Got it. Well, I think I'll be in Nashville. I think Safari Club International is there next year, I believe, is uh, is coming yep. to Nashville. So that's my excuse to get out there. Usually it's in January, early early February time frame, I think. Um, but uh, I have a hunting operation actually in Lanai, Hawaii. Um, Axis deer, mouflon sheep out there. Um, there's, no there's four of us. Yeah, there's four of us that are uh, that are partners in it. Um, and I think I'm going out there pretty soon, actually, going to bring the family out. It's a good place to, one, to write before everybody wakes up because it's, so, it's just beautiful. Um, and those... Yeah. Deer, those axis deer are pretty dang good. Um, oh my gosh, dude! There is nothing better in the world. I mean, axis deer is unreal. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not bad. Um, so we'll have to get you out there as well. But point being, I'll be in Nashville. I think next uh, next year at some point, um, because of the hunting industry there um, and doing SCI. But uh, man, hopefully we can link up before then. And uh, man, I'm just so excited for you. All you have going on, I'm so. I'm so fired up that you you identified that passion. You listened to the calling, and because uh, a lot of people don't, and now we're all beneficiaries of that because of this incredible music that you're sharing with the world. And so, uh, so thank you for that, and thank you for all your support as well, dude. I mean, seriously, dude, Jack, you have me on this, man. This is it means the world to me. Uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you've done for this country, man. Uh, I know you get a lot, but I truly mean it. Uh, I'm I'm grateful. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to all your success and, and looking forward to, to tuning in on Monday night to catch a, catch a peak, hopefully. Yep. Yeah. It'll be about, uh, I think it's 19 seconds. I think I, as I, as I go back in the, the memory banks, but, uh, I think it's about 19 seconds, first glimpse. And then uh, a couple months later will be that minute long teaser, which is looking really good. Um, and, uh, and then right before it comes out, I think the trailer comes out, but, uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for everything. I, I sincerely appreciate it. And, uh, you know, best of luck on, on, uh, on Monday. I appreciate it, Jack. Thank you very much, man. Just wanted to say a quick thank you to Navy Federal Credit Union for taking such good care of me and my family over the years. I've been a member since 1996. Right there, there's my Navy Federal Credit Union cue card right there. So yeah, been a member for quite some time now. They've done a fantastic job with me and my family. And I know that investing and saving can be stressful and Navy Federal Credit Union takes that stress away. A lot of educational materials and they can help you get on track in 2022 when it comes to saving and investing. So go to navyfederal.org backslash save and invest. Trust me, you won't regret it. Thank you so much to Six Hour for jumping right on board out of the gate to make this podcast possible. Obviously, I am a huge SIG fan, having carried the P226 on every deployment downrange in the SEAL teams. Uh, but SIG was a supporter. They were friends well before uh, I was a New York Times bestselling author, uh, well before I even had an Instagram account or any social media presence whatsoever. So thank you guys all so much. Uh, Ron, Tom, Jason, everybody at SIG who gets up every day and continues to crush it and lead the way. SIG is always adapting. They're always at the forefront, whether it is firearms for citizens, whether it's firearms for our military, ammo, suppressors, optics, training, fire control units. They are doing it all and they are always pushing pushing that envelope and trying to do it better each and every day through innovation and adaptation they crush. So thank you so much for that friendship and support. Uh, it will never be forgotten. 
Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. I want to talk to you a little bit about Lucas O'Hara today of Grizzly Forge. So check out this first off. Look at that. You see that? Oh yeah. So look at that blade. Pretty sweet right there. So veteran owned and operated uh, Lucas O'Hara Grizzly Forge. You can go to thegrizzlyforge.com to find out more about him, more about his blades, his story. Uh, once again, veteran owned and operated, doing some awesome stuff. Uh, originally from Georgia, but now out here in Utah and part of that Black Rifle Coffee team. But he has his own thing going on with this forge. So Grizzly Forge. Thank you so much. I think I'm actually, yep, I'm wearing the Grizzly Forge t-shirt right now. So check that out. Awesome. Man, Lucas, thank you so much uh, for all the support and thank you for being such a great example for uh, for veterans and for, for anybody uh, as far as getting out there and following that passion, listening to that calling. And I'm so glad you did because now we have these awesome blades. So thank you, my friend. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. For more on Jordan Davis, go to jordandavisofficial.com. Follow him on Instagram, also Jordan Davis Official. But check out those tour dates. Definitely get by Dirt. The whole album is absolutely fantastic. And as you can tell, Jordan Davis is a down-to-earth, solid American. Uh, just an awesome, awesome guy. So be sure to check out that website, get a tour date on the calendar, and follow him on the social channels as well. Well, my next novel in the blood is coming May 17th and is available for pre-order. Now you can follow me on the social channels, Jack car USA. You can go to jackcarusa.com for the merch and you can go to my website, officialjackcar.com for everything else. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sincerely appreciated. Take care, stay safe, be strong, keep fighting. In case you missed it, on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original, Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels, mm -hmm. you know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What are box you, do you fit in? Which exactly, box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy and, or right, right. an How, Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm -hmm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.